0: all right guys you are locked on falcons i am your host aaron freeman and today i am giving you my rapid reaction to the thursday night thrilling thursday night win of the atlanta falcons over the new orleans saints you are locked on falcons your daily podcast on the atlanta falcons part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all right guys Falcons came away with a 20 to 17 victory over the Saints in week 14. It's a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of ugly in this game, but uh they got the W. Um this was a game I was pretty confident going into this week. Uh a lot more confident than usual than I am with the Falcons chances. Um I thought because of how beat up the Saints were, I thought that they didn't particularly match up well with the Falcons. And, you know, we're all worried about Alvin Kamara and Ingram, but I didn't think the Saints had a whole lot to throw else at the Falcons offensively that would give us trouble. I I know Michael Thomas is a a good receiver, but I had a lot of confidence in Trufant and Alford um, to not think that he'd go off in this game. Of, Of course, I was wrong on that. Not the first time, won't be the last. And he had a pretty big night, 10 catches, 117 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then had a big catch towards the end that almost set up what could have been, thanks to Dan Quinn, uh, <laughs> a go-ahead scorer late in the fourth quarter. Kamara got hurt on the opening series, so we didn't really get to see a whole lot of him. Ingram had a, a good game sort of filling in. He got hurt late, um, finished with 92 uh, total yards, 49 on the ground, 43 in the air. Uh, proved to be very difficult for our defensive tackle. Um, I wasn't necessarily confident that the Falcons' defense would be able to put the clamps down on the Saints' offense and, and shut them down by any means, but I thought pretty confidently that like, because the Saints really only had Kamar and Ingram, I just didn't think a, a two-headed running back-led offense was going to be able to put like 30-plus points up on on the Falcons' defense. Um And so I, I felt reasonably confident that the Saints defense, even though they played well this year, I don't think they match up particularly well with the Falcons. Sure, they have Lattimore. Sure, they have Cam Jordan. But outside of that, like with their slow linebackers, I didn't think they really stood a chance against our running backs. And we, I knew we could run the football effectively on that defense. I knew Sanu or I, I thought Sanu uh, going up against Vaccaro would be a, a favorable matchup. I figured even if Lattimore played really well against Julio, he wouldn't shut him down. He would, you know, Julio would still make a couple of plays here and there. It just might be, you know, another one of those, like, four-catch, you know, 60-yard stat lines or something like that. Um, and I also thought the play action would be effective. So I, I thought this game really sort of played in, in the way these two teams matched up, at least for the, the Falcons offense going against the Saints defense. I thought it played to our strengths. Uh, for the most part, uh, not that I, you know, not that I didn't think it was possible the Saints could win this game, but it was just like it's a good matchup. This isn't a Vikings game, um, but you know, it was tough watching this game because the Falcons, for a, a big portion of it, were playing from behind most of the second half. They they came through. Um, you know, they started pretty strong, I thought, in the game. Then they, things really fizzled out at the end of the first half. Thanks, Dan Quinn. Um, then they started off the third quarter about as the worst way you could possibly start. And then things started to fizzle out until, you know, we got into the fourth quarter and then we, we started taking things around and almost fizzled out again at the end. You know, the Falcons, they got to make it the most dramatic possible finish humanly possible. Um, even, even when you think things are going in their favor. So let's let's talk about the bad slash ugly. Let's get that out of the way first. I want I want to end this podcast on a positive note for once. And if we're going to start talking about the negative stuff, so I, again, I apologize for starting so early in this podcast. I just want I want to get it out the way because we got to talk about it. Um, we got to talk about Matt Ryan. We got to talk about Dan Quinn. Um, pretty pretty rough performances for both of those guys. Um, you know, as I say, normally on this podcast, when I'm criticizing Matt Ryan, it's really just nitpicking five or six plays, five or six throws. Um, and for the most, you know, for the most part for the other 50, 60 some odd plays is, you know, he's either really good or, or, or sometimes even great, but not tonight. No, no, that he was, he was really off his game. His footwork seemed a little bit off to me last week with some of the throws that he missed. And it seemed like early on in this game he missed a couple of throws just because he, his feet were a little happy. Maybe that's owed to some of the pressure that the Saints were able to create early in this game. But it was it was really the poor decision making. Um, he threw basically five picks in this game. Luckily, two of them were dropped by his Saints defenders. Um, so only three show up on the stat sheet. One of those was, wasn't really on Matt Ryan because Hooper dropped it. Um, But his pick to Lattimore at the end of the the first half and his pick to Marcus Williams in the end zone were were pretty bad decisions. Um, I'll circle back to the Lattimore pick because I'm much madder at Dan Quinn for that specific play than I am for Matt Ryan. But the Williams pick was really just an inexcusably bad pass. He really underthrew Julio in that play. Um, It seemed like Matt Ryan was playing fast. It seemed like he was trying to do too much. You know he was he was throwing things. You know there was a there was that drop pass by Teo. I know The dropped interception by Teo. I know there was a flag and so it was a free play. But it was just one of those things where it's just like, dude, you're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to run to your left, throwing it across your body and 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 throw the ball you know 15, 20 yards down the field or, or whatever it was, and and make that throw. That's just not your game. Um, so it, it was just stuff like that that was just like, what is going on? Um, we don't talk about Matt Ryan all that much on this podcast just because he always gives you, or at least from my perspective, he always gives you that B plus or A minus level performance every week. And it's it's kind of boring. It's just like, yeah, it's good. He, Matt Ryan's fine. Um, but sometimes you get some of these like, you know, maybe a, a D level performance maybe if, if, if I'm not being too hard on him, uh, certainly no better than the C minus. I, I think C minus would be very generous. Um, but you know, and I, I do hate when Matt Ryan has one of these bad performances like that. You have people that come out of the woodwork like Matt Ryan stinks and he can't win big games and we need to get, you know, the, like, it's just like people, it always seems to be a referendum on Matt Ryan as the Falcons starting quarterback, as his career goes. It's always the case with quarterbacks like this. You know, they did this every time Tony Romo had one of those three pick games. It's like, oh, Tony Romo, he'll he'll never win the big one. It's like. He has like three of these games a year, guys. Y'all never, you know, whatever. And it's the same thing with Matt Ryan. But I also, at the same time, I I don't like those people, but I also hate the people that are sort of like reactioning, reacting to those people, which are basically they never, ever criticize Matt Ryan because all they wind up talking about all week is about they just refute those people. And it's like you can't even acknowledge that Matt Ryan had a bad game, which he did. Like, it's, it's one game. Let's just talk about the bad game that he had. Let's all acknowledge that together and not try to spread it out to be more than what it is, just one bad game. You know, he's going to have a couple of these a year, and and you're just glad in this instance that he, you know, that the Falcons won this game despite him playing pretty crappy for at least a good portion of it. Now let's let's talk about Dan Quinn. Now, wait, you know, before we get to Dan Quinn, I want to let you guys know, That, you know, upcoming this weekend, the Falcons are going to be off, but that doesn't mean that the NFL action stops. Check out Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson uh, for his picks and his assessment of what's going on in Week 14 this weekend. All right, let's talk about Dan Quinn, because this, you know, we talk about, like, Matt Ryan's performance was vastly overshadowed by what Dan Quinn was. I don't even know, man. Like, this is now going to be a running punchline. Like, it's like, seriously? Like, what's going on, man? His decision-making at the end of the first half was terrible. You know, the Falcons had two timeouts left with, like, under a minute to go. They're driving down the field to try to get some points to extend their lead going into halftime and get the ball back. And they don't call timeout? Like... They lost two whole plays because of Dan Quinn's inability to call timeout. They, they, they then they called the timeout after the officials reviewed it, which I guess makes sense because it was a continuation play and it would have, you know, the clock wouldn't have stopped once they reviewed Taylor Gabriel's catch. Um, but like, why didn't he? And then so he had to use a timeout to stop the clock at 14 seconds. But why didn't he use it when it was like 25 or 26 seconds after the catch? You know, call it right there, boom. You know, uh, it makes no sense. So then they wind up with one timeout left with 14 seconds left, which basically means they only have time for two plays. And they're, you know, at the I think they're the Saints, like, 42 or something like that. So they're basically like, we only have time to make one throw, call the timeout, and kick a field goal. And so they just basically make a short pass to try to kick the long field goal to, to make sure that, and, and, of course, Lattimore squats on it, on the throw to Julio, picks it off. Thankfully, Julio made a touchdown saving tackle because Lattimore was going to score on a pick six shades of uh, the green Bay Packers playoff game from 2010. But it's like the Falcons should have never been in that situation. Bad throw by Matt Ryan, of course, but like they should have never been in that situation because there's, they should have been settling for a field goal at that point. They should have had, you know, two more plays to try to get further down the field, taking shots down the field. Not letting, you know, predictable play it's not it's not Sark's fault. It's not Matt Ryan's fault. It's Dan Quinn's friggin' fault. Like what are you doing, dude? Call the friggin' time I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm getting animated. <laughs> it's a happy day. It's a happy day, and I'm getting I'm getting upset. Uh but fortunately the Saints did not convert that into points because there was a penalty. And so, you know, it's day ten ten going to halftime. And then, of course, the Falcons, you know, first pass of the the third quarter, Matt Ryan throws it to Hooper, bounces off his hands into the hands of Chris Banjo for an interception, and then the Saints quickly turn that into seven points, so it was like, might as well, you know, but that would have been like, it was a bizarre sequence, those last two minutes where the Saints, the Falcons gave up a a, a quick touchdown to the Saints then they failed to do whatever the heck they were doing in the last minute of the first half and then, throw up, you know, it was just like completely a momentum swing where up to that point it felt like the Falcons were really in control of that game. Um circling back to Dan Quinn, you know, he really botched it again at the end of the, of the game as well. Didn't accept the holding call for for those of you that were by that time too drunk to to be paying attention to what was going on because I was baffled. I was like, "What?" They didn't accept the penalty. <laughs> like, what is happening? Or maybe, you know, you're listening to this because you missed the game. The Falcons had a 2017 lead with less than four minutes left. Michael Thomas made that big catch, 35-yard gain, get the ball in the Falcons' territory. The Saints, then a few plays later, get it down to the Falcons' 24 with the two-minute warning hit, and, and they're facing a third and one. Tack McKinley does a great job getting pressure against Ramcheck gets flagged for a holding call and, and the pressure forces Drew, Drew Brees to, to, to throw an incomplete pass. And, you know, if the Falcons accept the penalty right there, it's third and 11 at the at their 34. But for some reason, Dan Quinn doesn't do it. And it's fourth and one instead at the 24, which... I sort of understand the reasoning why he did that but it it doesn't make it the right reasoning. like the I'm assuming the reason that he did it cuz he wanted to preserve as much time for the Falcons to get the ball back and for some reason he made the assumption that you know the Saints uh, maybe he thought the Saints would just kick the field goal or something and not try for it on fourth down or maybe he just thought like well fourth down is one shot I'm confident enough in my defense that they'll get the stop on a fourth and one, but I'm not confident enough and then they'll get the stop on a third. And like, it didn't make any sense. Like, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know when people talk about going forward on two point conversions and going forward on, on fourth and short, they talk about the conversion rate is like 50%. You got like a 50-50 shot. That's why people say like you should go for it in those instances. Somewhere close to that. I don't know if it maybe like forty two percent or something, but it's it's somewhere close to a coin flip. And but I know like, you know, I don't know off the top of my head again, but like I'm pretty confident like a, the chances of you converting like a third and eleven are like twenty percent or less. So it's like force them to have to try to convert the third and eleven and presumably if they don't convert the third and eleven, at that point they're gonna kick the field goal, not go for it on fourth down. Right? So, like, you know, yeah, it gives them two shots to convert, but it's, like, they're probably only going to take one shot. And you're giving them the much more favorable scenario. Uh, it It was baffling. It was baffling. Like, I'm sure he can explain it in some way, and there's, like, a kernel of logic in there, but it's, like, it's just simply, like, it's bad logic. It's, like, in that situation, accept the penalty, push them back, Make the make them have to go further to continue the game. You know? It, it just it's baffling with Dan Quinn. And we, we we gave Mike Smith a hard time, but I don't know what's going on with Dan Quinn, man. Like what is what is this dude's problem? So that's all I wanted that's all the negativity I have tonight, guys. That's it. You know. You know, maybe maybe there'll be like measured praise for from here on out. But let let's get into the positivity. Let's let's finish this thing strong. right, Deion Jones, man, outstanding performance. Had the game-sealing interception, or it wasn't really the game-sealing interception because the game wasn't technically over at that point. But, you know, it was pretty much the game-sealing interception in the end zone on a throw to, I think it was, what, Josh Hill? Made an excellent leaping grab. It it capped off an outstanding performance from Deion Jones, his hometown team. Remember, he's from New Orleans. Uh, He knocked out Alvin Kamara with the concussion on the open series. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know if that should be celebrated, but it's something that you know. It's on his. It's on. It's on his stat sheet. I'm. I'm not celebrating. I'm just saying like that's something that he did. And depending on your viewpoint, whether that's positive or negative, I, I, no judgment. But he finished with like what 13 tackles, three tackles for loss, two pass breakups, the interception. He missed a tackle too on that last drive uh, that allowed Ingram to convert, him, but he he definitely redeemed himself with that interception. Um, you know, I, I I think I've been good with Dion Jones lately. I've, I've generally been like, yeah, I'm I'm fine with Dion. Like, I'm, I'm not loving it, but I'm fine with it. It's more Devondre Campbell that's been like the guy that frustrates me. Um, but I, I, like, I think Dion's played better since that New England game. Like, he wasn't great in that game, but he was, in my opinion, better than he was in previous weeks. And, like, I think I was referring to this on the recent episode when I was talking about Dion. Um, It was like, you got to make the plays. Like, he made mistakes in this game. Like, again, he missed some tackles. But it's like you want to have that scale balanced with a lot more positive plays than the negative plays. Like, he's never going to be that guy that's going to, or I won't say never, but it's unlikely that he's going to be that guy that, you know, he's going to, be this run thumper and this all around guy that makes all the good plays and and never makes mistakes because his style of play is sort of conducive for him missing tackles and and sort of doing these things and and not being able to make every tackle in space and whatnot. But like when you can – when he can be a a force in coverage, showcase that speed and range, fly around, hit guys, make some of these plays, and as long as he can just minimize the missed tackles, like we'll take one a game, you know. Maybe two, you know. But, uh, like, you know, and that's what you want to see from him. Like, it's like, you know, I don't expect him to play this way every week. But if we can get, like, six to eight of these games a year, like, we're golden at that point with Deion Jones. And so, like, it's one of those things where, like, you know, a lot of talk this past week was, like, oh, the Falcons need to get a new middle linebacker. I, like, you know, not because I had some undying loyalty to Deion Jones, but I was just, like, you know. For other reasons, like I'm tired of getting these 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 young linebackers that need to be developed. Um, and I'm just like, you know, let's see what Dion can do. He's fine. Like, I don't love him, but he's fine. And this game was sort of like, yeah, this is why he's fine, you know. And I'm hoping, you know, two weeks from now when we face the Saints again, I'm assuming Kamara's going to play in that game, so he won't. Uh, get quite the reprieve, so we'll see him probably test a little bit more. But maybe he's got another one of these games in 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 his back pocket. He seems to be very motivated to 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 dominate the Saints because he did it, you know, last year as well. Um, so it's like, yeah, you know, Dion, love you, man. I'm hard on you. I'm hard on you, but because I, I know you're capable of doing this, it's like do this, you know, again, like do this six to eight times a year, and we're good. I'll never say a bad thing about you ever again man um, defense overall I think was a, a positive you know again they weren't perfect you know they 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 got you know they gave up a lot of it seemed like they gave up they didn't give up a ton of yards on the ground but they certainly I wouldn't say the run defense was good the pass rush was anemic for you know most of the game. But, like, they they made some key stops in the second half. Uh, Poe had a, you know, the pass rush came alive in the second half. Poe had a big drive-killing sack at the end of the third quarter. You know, it's like the Saints lost their starting left guard in in Pete. And then they lost his replacement in Calamete during this game. So it was like they were on their third-string guard. And and that third-string guard was the guy that screwed up on that field goal at the end of the first half, got the penalty. So thank God for Josh Laribius. Uh, Thank you, Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan for drafting him in Washington and whatever happened to him there, he wound up in New Orleans. So appreciate it, Josh. Um, Claiborne had a big sack on the penultimate drive, Saints drive in in the fourth quarter. Um, And then the Falcons sort of marched on the field and got the go-ahead field goal. Um, Again, run game wasn't there. Pass rush was iffy early on. Tackling wasn't consistent. But the Falcons got off the field, particularly in the second half. The Saints were one of five on third downs in the second half. And, like, I I think the defense has really sort of stepped up over the last month or so. And this was one of those things I remember talking about several weeks back where it's like, I I think we need to have defense sort of step it up if we're going to make this postseason run. And I think they have. You know, they're not perfect. They're far from perfect. They're not shutting down teams. But they're doing just enough. They're they're making some key stops. They're creating turnovers. You know, and they're not giving up a ton of big plays, even though tonight they gave up six 20 plus yard plays to the Saints. Falcons sort of matched it with five of their own. So, um, you know, good kudos to them. And on that note, I, I do want to turn to talk a, a little bit about the positives of the offense. But first, I want to remind you guys that I'm sure many of you are competing in your fantasy playoffs. Um, or maybe you're not. Maybe you need need some tips for next year. There's always next year, right? So check out Vinny Iyer on Locked On Fantasy Football on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's talk offense. And uh, it was a great day for Devontae, 24 carries for 91 yards. Um, They fed him just like I wanted them to. I was like, "Get, get this guy the ball. We need this guy. He had to fumble late. It was like, what is going on with this? Devontae fumbling late. But thankfully, everyone's favorite guard, Wes Schweitzer, recovered it. Peyton got Sean Payton got flagged for coming out on the field. And that was sort of what gave the Falcons, what really sealed the win after the Jones interception. So it's a lot of bizarre coaching stuff going on tonight. Um, Coleman also had a nice game, ran hard, nine carries, 32 yards. We didn't get to see him in the passing game, which was a disappointment. But, you know, we'll take it, you know. Sark, you know, Sark still has got a lot of room for improvement, but, you know, we'll take it. Um, I like seeing Sanu step up. I thought he had a favorable matchup. You know, I'm hard on Mohamed Sanu. You guys know that. Uh, he's one of those guys that it's like I think he does well when he has favorable matchups, and I thought he had a favorable matchup this week against New Orleans. Vaccaro, uh is their slot receiver, and Sunu spends, you know, two-thirds of his snaps in the slot. Um car got knocked out of the game early, so I don't even know who replaced him. And so it's like, yeah, it made sense that Sanu you know, finished with the lead with six catches and eighty-three yards, and, and had the the what the tying touchdown uh, on that long eleven-play drive that lasted almost six minutes in the fourth quarter into the fourth quarter. And on that note, you know, that's you know the Falcons' touchdown drives, all two of them, were long methodical drives. And, you know, we talked about big plays and sort of being the difference. Their first scoring drive in the second quarter was a 15-play 90-yard drive that went eight and a half minutes. Um, That that drive did begin with two 20-plus-yard completions to Sanu and Julio to sort of get the Falcons out from under their territory. Uh, I think one of those was a play-action pass. I think the Sanu one was a play-action pass, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and, you know, again, it goes back to what I was saying. Like I thought the play action would be effective and they, they were able to dial up some shots with play action. Um, then that latter one that I just referred to where Sanu capped it off with a touchdown. It was 11 plays, 11 plays, 69 yards took about five minutes off the clock. Speaking of that, the Falcons dominated the time of possession in the second and fourth quarters. Um that drive included a 19-yard pass to Jones. And, and again, you know, maybe there's not really much of a difference between a 19-yard play and a 20-yard play. But, you know, and, and the Falcons also got three first downs thanks to Saints' penalties on that drive as well. So kudos to the Saints for screwing up on us. And I'll, I'll circle back to the penalty stuff. But um, I thought it was good to see Julio have a good game against Lattimore. Uh, they kept showing the Lattimore getting oxygen on the, on the sideline, you know, I guess the three weeks off. He wasn't quite in game shape, but uh, you know Julio has a tendency to do that. Five catches on eleven targets for ninety-eight yards for Julio. Lattimore's good, and and don't don't get it twisted, guys. Don't let this be like, oh, he's overrated and he's not good. No, he's good. If you've seen him play this year, he's good. But uh, Julio Jones is a different beast, and uh, he, he he may not quite be that. You know, ice up, son, as uh, the great Steve Smith might say. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I'll end it here. Uh, you know, I think the Falcons got, go, going back to the penalty thing, I think the Falcons got some breaks. Uh, I think they got some breaks from penalties. I think they got some breaks from injuries. I mean, the Saints, they lost a lot of guys in this game. They were already beat up going into the game, and they lost a bunch of Kamara, obviously. A.J. Klein was beat up. Trey Henderson was beat up. Ficaro, Senio, Kalamede, Ingram got hurt. Lattimore, again, was gassed. And so, like you know, from the Saints' perspective, it's going to be one of those games that's similar to the Seahawks game a couple of weeks ago, where it's like, why are we playing these Thursday night games? It's just too too much ta- too taxing on the on the human body, uh, even even the physical specimens that we have in the National Football League. It's just too taxing, um, and it's understandable. Like I, I, it's hard to dispute that. Like the evidence is there, um, and of course the, the officiating. And it's funny to me because it's like. Last week, every every Falcon fan was complaining about the inconsistency of the officiating. You're not going to hear that this week. Uh, you already know you're not going to hear that this week because it's just like you only complain about the officiating when it's against your team. Like you're not going to comp- no, no There's not going to be a single Falcon fan and be like, man, I wish the officiating was more consistent. And like it was certainly not consistent tonight, guys. Like there's no denying it. But now that the shoe is on the other foot, it's like people are going to be like, oh, it is what it is, man you gotta, you gotta rise up and overcome, right? You you know, basically saying the same exact thing that I said last week. So I just, I, that's hilarious to me. Sort of the, the obvious bias that people have that they're just sort of blinded to, you know, you're going to hear a lot of people talking about how downplaying officiating when, you know, just four days ago, they were talking up officiating. It's, it's going to be funny to me. It's just funny to me. I always like, I love it when people are hypocrites. Um, yeah, you know, it's that's my thing, exposing people as hypocrites. It's not like I am one myself, but um so, you know, I, I say that not to sort of like downplay the Falcons win. I know Saints fans are going to be you guys mentioned all week talking about how, you know, all oh, the officiating screwed us over and uh, man, and the injuries and, and all. You like let them have it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Y'all had an opportunity to win this game, and you didn't. You know, but it's not like the Falcons didn't deserve to win the game, like the, if without the turnovers. I, I you know, Dan Quinn's baffling decision making at the end of the first half. I mean, that th- th- those two things, you know, the Williams interception and Dan Quinn, probably took six points off the board. Then Hooper done dropped that pass and turn an interception that's at least another three maybe potentially and and seven that you take away from the Saints. So, you know, I I think without the turnovers and, and bad coaching decisions by the Falcons, not to say that the Falcons dominate, you know, and win like 31 to 17, but it could have been. It could have been something like that. It could have been like a 27, 26, you know, 17 type of game, 26, 10 type of game. And and on that note, I'll I'll wrap it up here, guys. Be be kind, to Austin Hooper, man. Like, take it easy on the guy. Like he redeemed himself tonight after that that drop. Lighten up on the kid, man. You know, I you know I'm hard on second year guys. I I know. I'm just me being a hypocrite right now. But it's it's like Jones and Campbell. But it's only because they didn't improve on the things that they needed. You know that I thought they showed weakness in last year. Like we didn't know anything about Austin Hooper. He was a third string tight end for half the season. Then when Tammy got hurt, he got promoted, but he was really splitting reps with Toy Lolo, and he didn't really do anything as a starter. Like, y'all forget that, like, everybody said, oh, Austin Hooper, he's going to break it. Like, we catch, like, two passes for eight yards or something like that. Like, those were his stat lines as a starting tight end. Um, You know, and then they made that big play in the the Super Bowl, and then y'all went ham. This offseason talking about, oh, man, Austin Hooper, he's going to be the breakout candidate. It's like, no, he's a second-year wide tight end. That doesn't have stills working on his rapport with Matt Ryan, and and is playing in an offense that has a bevy of other weapons that steal targets from. Like, take it easy on the guy. Like, uh, he's he's still going to be young and making some mistakes, but he's going to be good, guys. Just give him some time. Just be a little patient. Don't hold him to this sort of Travis Kelsey, uh, Rob Gronkowski standard. That anytime he makes a mistake, oh, we got to get rid of. Him, like, come on, man. like, come on, guys. Like, you know, I'm hard on Devondre Campbell, but you're not going to hear me be like, we got to get rid of Devondre Campbell. I would just like to live in a world where the Falcons don't have to rely on Devondre Campbell to play 60 snaps a game. I'd like to live in a world where Vic Beasley and and Duke Riley are seen as interchangeable pieces with Devondre Campbell, if not better players than Devondra Campbell. But I don't want to get rid of Devondre Campbell. I just would like to see him make less mistakes. That's all. You know, same thing with Austin Hooper. Just make mess look the same. People are like, oh, we got to get rid of him. I'm like, come on, man. You know, Tololo's the guy we got to get rid of. But, you know, to- I'll give Tolo this. He's played better over the last month. He was awful those first, like, eight weeks of the season. <laughs> but he's been better last month. Um, but, yeah, I'll-, I'll finish with this. It's not a beauty contest, t- contest anymore, it's just about getting the W. So let Saints fans make their excuses. It's fine. It's cool. We're going to be chilling on Sunday. Have a couple of Mai Tais or whatever you want to drink. Rum and Cokes. Sipping on some iced tea or whatever it is. I know it's a cold front coming in. So, I don't know. Hot chocolate or something. Um, Enjoy the weekend, guys. I am. I'm definitely going to enjoy the weekend. So, um, just, just you know, let the Saints fan make their excuses. Just let them know that they woke a, a sleeping giant, as it as it were, and uh, we're going to come for that division crown now. They they just gave us some hope for that division crown. We're coming for it. So, yeah, guys, feeling good. It's late. I got to get up in like three hours for work. So, rise up, Falcons. You are locked on Falcons. Your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right, guys. I actually went and looked it up. Um, chances Going back to 2013, last five years or last four and three-quarter seasons, the chances of you converting a, a fourth and one is 65%. The chances of you converting a third and 11 is 26%. Come on, Dan Quinn, man. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me.